1: will be from Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. It says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, when the Spirit <coughs> desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I tell you about these in advance as I told you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. We must not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another.
0: you guys would uh, open up with me to Galatians 5 if you're not already there. That's what we're going to talk about today. If you guys just heard it. Um, but let's take a second to pray. Um, God, I pray that this morning that uh, that we would hear your voice. Father, uh, our world is full of distractions. Our minds and our hearts are can be all over the place. And Father, I pray that you would be teaching us to be still, to listen, to know your voice. And uh, Father, I pray that this morning that uh, we will hear your voice in this passage and uh, in this talk. And um, Father, I pray that you will uh, just help us to fall deeper in love with you. And in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Well, here we are another Sunday afternoon, and uh, I don't know what you guys thought when you guys heard that our passage was going to be Galatians five. Uh, if you've been around church or about around Christianity or whatever, uh, you may have mixed feelings on this passage. Uh, it may stir up things. You may think of two different things. One, I know for me is that big old long list of sins <laughs> and that's that's where I go first maybe for you it is the uh, the fruits of the Holy Spirit but uh, I don't know it's interesting that there's I don't I don't know if there's another passage that the good stuff and the bad stuff can make you just as frustrated do you guys feel that way where you're like oh my goodness I'm just the worst because I you know, I, I have these things in my life that I need to get rid of. And then, oh, man, I'm just the worst because I can't attain <laughs> these <laughs> these fruits of the spirit. And um, I don't know about y'all, but I didn't know that the fruits of the spirit were even there. It talked about walking in the spirit. I just for the longest time, I think I think Galatians 519 was. Like I just that passage was just the list of the things that you're doing wrong. And uh, I had a lot of conversations about from this passage uh, and things I need to work on. And um, I say I like to say that I hope this morning we can we can talk about this and look at this passage with some fresh eyes. I know I needed to look. Uh, at this passage with fresh eyes. And there's this is actually a really amazing and encouraging passage. But sometimes we kind of have to get over some of these things or relearn some things um, that may be muddying the water. So jumping into this, uh, let's, let's just jump here at uh, verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, and gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So, I'll tell you what I love about this passage and why I like going to this. What I love is because it is... I mean, you're talking about the... I. The perfect ideal or like the the ideal person. You know, I think about this passage and I think, man, this really is me trying to embody God. These are God's qualities, you know, and that there's something there that it's a a high calling. And I love that. You know, that's also some of the reasons why it can be so frustrating is because it's such a high calling. But... um, you know, I think about this, and I think uh, we go through these qualities, and it's like, goodness, Jesus said, only my Father's good. You know, how in the world am I supposed to be good if only God can be good? Or how can I attain that? You know, the, you know one of the things that I love about this passage, or this little bit here is, uh, as I've been studying it, is that idea of patience. And um, a lot of times I've kind of thought that that is, man, I just got to get good at waiting in lines and not complaining if things aren't going exactly how I thought they should go. You know, that kind of thing. But actually, that bit of patience, another word that's used is forbearance. And uh, I don't know if you guys know what that word means, but it's a very relational word. The word forbearance is it, it talks it. It's like, imagine, imagine what one of you owes me a debt, Lucas, you owe me a debt. And and I decide to say, you know what? I'm going to give you more time. You know, that debt's come due. And I said, and you don't have it or whatever. And I'm saying, you know what? I'm going to give you some more time. Patience in that kind of way. And when you when you think about in those terms, you're like, oh, my goodness, that's how God treats me. You know, and that's that's you, you think about these things and it gets going and, and you're like, wow, how in the world would I ever be able to live up to that or treat people, you know? And and, and so I'm, I'm thinking about this thing and and I just want to kind of fill you in with my process. My process is I ask myself very simple, <laughs> kind of silly They're not silly. They're just simple questions. So what do I love about this? You know, what's frustrating about this? And to me, it's frustrating because it's unattainable. And oftentimes it's like I want the fruits of the spirit sans the spirit. You know, I want to be this person without getting the spirit involved, you know, and it makes things really frustrating when I try and take on The qualities of God, myself, without involving God. You know, uh, and it's funny. It's like I get in that mindset and what a prideful place to be in. What a prideful thought that I can be like God (laughs) without involving him. We can be blinded, you know, or by human effort, I can get to God. That's such, you know, it's I don't think we would often We wouldn't say that out loud, out loud, but our actions often, my actions often go to that place and, uh, or, or, you know, I'll just change a couple behaviors. If I just focus on, you know, joy and peace and patience, then you know what I'm going to be, I will have attained that maturity and, uh, that's not how it works. And I think that that's why this starting at the end is such a good place Because I think knowing, like that's the end goal. We want to be like God, and if you don't want to be with God, be like God, then there's really not any point of going through the rest of this, you know. But I, I assume you're sitting here, and this is you want that. You want to, you want to go down that road. You want to go on the journey to maturity. So how do we get there? How do we get to the final ideal? And again, uh, I think a good place, one of the places when I start, and I think, I'm thinking about this stuff and I'm doing Bible study, is how would I explain this to a friend if someone asked? If someone asked me, uh, well, let's, let's actually just jump up here. Let's jump to the top. Verse 16 and this is honestly, this is how we get there. It says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And so again I would you know I'm sitting down I'm like okay this is this he teed this up perfectly okay it's like I know where I want to go and he's giving me how to get there but what a like a nebulous idea to walk by the spirit and I was asking myself how would I explain this well I'm going to have to explain it I'm preaching on it <laughs> I better get this thing figured out but but this is like okay, I've got to break this down and, and kind of get to a simplified level. I'm not Mr. Theology and that kind of thing. And and so, all right, let's start very basically. What does it mean to walk by? You know, and I was like, okay, we can start with that But What's walk by the Spirit? And that just means to live by. You know, in Philippians it, it talks about and we read this at the Kumite. You know, to to live up to the faith that we've already attained. That is the exact same word that he uses here. You know, this idea of living by, or living up to, or following. You know, it's like, okay, I've got that bit down. I kind of, I can grasp that. And then you tack the spirit onto it, and you're like, that's just an idea that's hard to get our arms around. Isn't it? Like, Has anyone asked you about the spirit and you had like, well, this is a clear answer, definitive. This is how it works. This is what it looks like. I know it's in my body because I felt it or whatever. It's it's tough in their deep, deep waters. And there's part of it where I believe that we're not even fully supposed to to get there, but we're going to take a stab at it. And um, I think one of the reasons why this idea can be so difficult, this idea of the Spirit, is because we're not in a place where we really need or, or want the Spirit around. Let, let me go into that a little bit deeper. It's like, when is the, at, the last time you actually longed for something? The last time you were truly desperate? Truly hungry, like truly in want. Like, I don't think we've ever, like, for myself, I've never been in a place where I've gone without food for days. Like, to actually be hungry. You know, there's been times where I haven't eaten in a couple hours and my stomach's like, please, I'm so hungry. But that's, like, to genuinely be hungry. To genuinely, like, need, I just, I, I can't, I can't relate to that. So how in the world, you know, why would I need a comforter? Or why would I need a um, a counselor? You know, because at the end of the day, any question that I, I have can be answered in my pocket. I can like anything I want to know about, I just pull out my phone and I have an answer. So why would I need a counselor? Why would I need this thing to teach me anything new? It's, we live in a place where we are the 1%. You know, you take, it's very easy to say that there's billionaires and there's people out there and they're ruining everything because they have all the money. When you take one step back and look, that's us. Compared to the, like the rest of the world, we are the 1%. We are the most, like our homeless people are obese. You know, like it, it's crazy. They're like, it, we have a lot. We have a lot. And sometimes it's hard to see that we have needs. You know, when you zoom in close, you see that, oh my gosh, despite all of this luxury, all the things that we have, we are extremely anxious and extremely depressed. I mean, we... We can also be extremely arrogant, but, like, we are just insecure and ungrateful. And tack on the end of that, we're extremely terrified of all kinds of things. Like, just think about... The insecurity of trying new things, fear of failing, you know, we're afraid of what people think of us. We're afraid of conflict or getting hurt. Like so many of our decisions today, like hang on on the fear of how we'll be perceived, you know, and that's I, I, I think it, it, it's really hard To see the spirit or see our need for the spirit with all of that muddying the water. And uh, I mean, I was talking with Keith over coffee a week or so ago, and he was sharing with me. We were talking about the spirit and he shared that uh, some he had heard a guy talk about it being like we may have the radio on, but it's just static. You know, we may have decided to follow Jesus and the radio's on. But we're not dialed in. We're not tuned in to the Holy Spirit. And there's there's this action that we have to do and this process that we have to follow to kind of tune in. And And I believe that's why Keith has been talking so much about learning to be still, learning to be silent, learning to listen. Because without that, there's no way we will truly hear the spirit or be able to let like hear it let alone follow it yeah. you know if we can't even hear it how in the world are we going to follow so i asked so if someone asked me and i had to to explain or 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 share about the Spirit in simple terms, I would say that the Spirit is God with us. And um, if, if you guys want to, to dive deep, go to John 14. But uh, there was a section in there that, that really hit home as I was trying to think about this idea of the Spirit and my relationship. But it says, Jesus answered, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. And that's John 14, 23. And I just want you to think about that, that that's, that's the spirit. That's God saying, you know what? If, if you follow me, that's how, that's how I know that you love me. And you know what? We want to come make a home with you. I love that idea, y'all. Like that, if that doesn't strike a chord in you, I don't know what will because there's nothing like making a home. Like, I don't know, maybe home is a hard thing for you or maybe your home life is tough. But the idea of a home is what people long for in this world. Mm -hmm. The idea of a safe place with someone you love. Making a life with somebody that you trust. And he says, he says, he said, my father will love him and and we will come to him and make our home with him. That's the God that we serve. We serve a God that loves us dearly. And his end goal, like the whole idea of heaven, is that we would be together. And he's saying, until then, I want to make a home with you. And so that's, like I was thinking about it, and in terms that I is, of the Spirit, it's like, man, that's God, the Spirit. He gave us the Spirit. That's God with us. That's what He wants. And it, it makes me think too, who do you want to make a home with? I mean, that's a serious question. Hopefully you're not like willy-nilly, some guy walks off the side of the road and you're like, I want to make a home with that guy. You know, like you put thought into that, don't you? (laughs) You put thought into it. You know, you don't just any old person make a home with, Uh, you know, there's some standards that they have to uphold. You know, there's some, you know, you have to date because you got to feel that out a little bit and see what they're like. But it made me think, I, I mean, my stream of consciousness jumped over to Matthew 19 and says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, man must not separate. And I've never thought of that in terms of the Holy Spirit or my relationship with the Holy Spirit. But I don't think it's too far of a leap. I may be using that way wrong. I know that, uh, that that Paul he I mean he talked about husbands and wives being a reflection of Jesus in the church and and all that. But this idea of like we're leaving something to start a new home together, and that same idea of the spirit is that we're leaving one way of living to to join in. A new way of living with someone else. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we leave the old stuff behind and we take a step forward into, into some uncharted territory. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but but there was a risk marrying Sarah. Like, not like not. I didn't know how things I don't know how things will turn out. That and anyone who's married will say the same thing. Is I saw who she was and I said Man, that's the best shot I've got. <laughs> she is like, she's awesome. And if things are going to go good, they're going to go good with her. Okay. But, but there's a risk. Like there's a risk because anything could happen. And, and you take that step in faith that, okay, we, you and me, we're going to go make a life together. And I'm going to leave how I was living. And you and I, from now on, we're going to go together. And and there's a part of that is like there's a bunch of unknown and it's it's not necessarily happily ever after, but it's saying it's making the decision to take a step in faith that you know what through thick or thin now it's just me and you and we're going to do it no matter what comes our way. Have you ever thought about living and walking with the Holy Spirit in those terms before? Or your relationship with Jesus, like that, because that's really—I mean—it's a step of faith to say, "Know what, God? I choose you." I don't know how things are going to turn out. Marrying Sarah didn't mean everything was going to be all roses and sunshine the rest of our lives. It's the same. It's the same when we choose to follow Jesus. But at the end of the day, He's looking at you and saying. I want you. And I want to go through life with you. I hope that puts a smile on your face. Because that's what we long for in this life. And that's what God said. Oh, I want, to, I want to walk through this life with you and make a life with you. And that's, that's good. But we can't live like we were single. You know, we, things have got to change. I don't live the same way I did before I married Sarah. And there's standards. Like, you want a home and you want it to be safe and nice. There's standards, right? It can't just be anything goes, or it wouldn't be a safe place, would it? There's expectations. I got to go to work. You know, the kids have got to be taken care of. The trash has got to be taken out. Whether I like it or not, like, as basic or as deep or whatever you want to say, there are standards. And our standards may be in different places. But we, Sarah and I have spent the past nine years trying to get our standards on the same level. To like meet each other, to you know? And, and it takes work. And I could keep going on down that rabbit hole and you would, you would know where I'm going with that. But I want to jump back over to, to the passage here and, and, and talk about Following. And in this right here this is this is one of, one of those things where we got to stop why is following so tough? Why is it like why is that a hard thing? Everything we've been taught is being a follower is bad. You want to be a leader. You know, be the person in charge and set the pace and be ambitious or whatever, I don't know. But following is is difficult and the reasons I came up with you may have some different ones but for me is because I feel like I know better. Yeah. It's hard to follow because my way is better than your way every day. And 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 that's that's a hard place to be to think that someone might know better than me. I think the other thing that can be really tough is you might be led somewhere you don't want to go. Ooh. You know, and that's that could even be worse than, uh, you know, is is saying, okay, I'm I'm going to go with you to a place that is maybe dark and it may be scary. And and the reality of following the spirit and following Jesus is that the spirit will lead us to some scary places. So I was like, where's an example of this? What? I know this is the reality, but you know, what example? And Jesus is the perfect example. Jesus got baptized, and where did the Holy Spirit lead him? Out into the wilderness. You know, to be tempted of all things. Jesus would never do that to us, right? The Spirit would never lead us to a place that's unsafe. Or that where we might be tempted to do something we shouldn't. That's just not the case. I think about, I think about my farm. And uh, man, when you walk out on, on our farm, it is beautiful. We were out there all day yesterday. And I mean, flowers are coming up like purple and white flowers and yellow flowers throughout the pasture. Things in the trees are blossoming and you walk out and you're like, man, God is thinking good and it is amazing out here. But as you go deeper into the farm, you realize that there's a lot of bones out there. A lot of things have died out on that farm. It is true wilderness out there. There's a reason why I bring my knife and I bring my pistol when I go out on the farm. No, and I'm not like... I say that stuff, but literally, there, there are bones everywhere. My girls, we have been collecting skulls and putting it on our picnic table. No, seriously, I'm not, I'm not joking. We have literally, Sarah, like I went on a walk with the girls. We found three skulls in a little, just a little walk. And we'll be walking and we're like, look, I found a bone. There are things like living and dying and hunting and all this stuff out there. The other day I was walking in the woods by myself and I walked right up on a coyote, like as close as I am to Tyler, up on a coyote. And and like there are literal threats, things out there. There are other men with guns. Out in the woods, <laughs> like, and I, I said, people go hunting all the time out there, and there's like, there's a chance if I'm not aware, I could be, I could be shot by someone who is hunting, not paying attention, and that's, like, that's just the reality of going out there. <laughs> Never get a farm, y'all. It's, it's the most. That's why all the farmers left, right? No, I, I'm telling you, there's the farm is great, and it's I'm, the farm. The farm is great, but there there are a lot of things, and and that can sound a little dramatic. Whatever, there there are a ton of bones, but life out there. Um, Where the Spirit is leading us, it's leading us to places where we could lose our faith, potentially. And that's okay. Places where we could die and have to, have to die. We'd have to confront ourselves. And places where we have to deal with conflict. And those are like the places we don't want to go. I feel like in my life recently, it's like I've been having to learn about how to deal with conflict. And how to do that faithfully and say the things that need to be said, but at the same time, learning to love and and do things in genuine love. It's tough, but we, the Holy Spirit's going to put us in the path of conflict. And if you don't think so, let's read Matthew 10, 32. Therefore, everyone who will acknowledge me before man... I will also acknowledge Him before My Father in Heaven. But whoever denies Me before men, I will also deny Him before My Father in Heaven. Don't assume that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, And a man's enemies will be the members of his household. The person who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The person who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Anyone finding his life will lose it and anyone losing his life because of me will find it. Can you believe that Jesus said that? Amen. We don't talk about this one very often, do we? If that doesn't stir anything in you right now, then I, <laughs> there's some other things wrong with you. <laughs> Jesus didn't come to bring peace, but to bring a sword. He came to stir the pot. You know? theres I'm telling you, there's too much meat on that bone right there. But I, I think we, we need to consider that our walk with God isn't meant to be a cakewalk. We may be led to places that we don't want to go, but if we want to see God and be with God, it's worth going to those places. I love like one of the things I love in the Old Testament is is the name Israel. You guys know that that Jacob wrestled God and he was named to Israel and then the, his people became Israel. And do you guys know what that means? That name? It means to wrestle or struggle with God. I love that that's the identity that he gave his people. God wants people who are willing to wrestle and struggle to get on the same page with them. And you think about what does that say about who God is? He's not looking for perfection, but someone who's willing to struggle. Someone who's willing not to give up, to keep pushing forward, to try, to like lay it out on the line to... I think about that same way with my wife. i vowed with her. She's the only one for me. And I'm going to struggle to be on the same page with her. She's the only one that I will fight to be unified with. And that's, that's what she wants, is someone to fight for her. To fight to be in it with her. If I just can't... I, if I just kind of willy nilly walked along and she told me to do something, I'm like, OK, because, you know, that's not what she wants. That's not what God wants. But at the same time, oh, my goodness, what like. Shouldn't that take the load off that it's not about perfection, but it's about being in the fight. It's about hanging in there and saying, I'm willing to go with you. I'm willing to to be there with you. It shows God to be the fruits of the Spirit. To be graceful with us and to give us more time on our loans. To be gentle. I mean, He is the embodiment of the fruits of the Spirit. The things that we are trying to attain. And and I think one of the things that's tough in Christianity today is we, we can think that it's virtuous to be weak. It's virtuous to be a pushover. It's virtuous to be like to avoid conflict at all costs. and to our detriment. I mean, he doesn't, the Bible says in Matthew 5, it doesn't say... Blessed are the weak. It says blessed are the meek. For they will inherit the earth. And let me remind you what that means. That is, that is a, a wild stallion coming under control. A powerful horse being brought under the submission of its, of its trainer. Another way to think of it is a man an armed man a man with a sword who doesn't use it a man under control who has the ability to do harm a man that that is formidable but is under control and i believe that that's what god wants a rabbit isn't virtuous It's just pray. It's just going to get eaten up. We need to be formidable. God didn't call us to be timid, but He gave us a spirit of power, able to confront the struggles of life in a manner worthy of the gospel. Prepared in season and out of season to give an answer. To give an account. Able to sharpen and be sharpened. To say no to ourselves and no to ungodliness. To apologize and to forgive. And you, like, I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. I'm not talking about being a bully. I'm not talking about some machismo way of living or violence or anything like that. But I'm talking about being able to face this world with our chest out, our shoulders back, head on. Not shying away from conflict or confrontation. But being able to say no matter what comes, me and God can brace the storm. Whatever I find out about myself, I can figure it out. We can figure it out and deal with it. So how do we get to this place? How do we get to a place where we're living like that? James 2, 11, 13, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to, and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So to get to this place, it starts with leaving something behind. It starts with taking, like, to go somewhere, we have to leave something. And, and this can be the hardest part, is taking that first step and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go. And so what do we have to leave behind? And it's obvious Paul thought it was obvious. (laughs) Verse 19, chapter 5 here, Galatians. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I tell you about these things in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, like I said, there's standards. If you if you want to make your home with God and go down that path and start walking and journeying through life with the spirit, with God, there's some things that have to go. And so the easiest way to think about these is sexual sin. God is pretty stinking firm on sexual sin. And, and I think I think that nowadays it's very like with pornography and with... There's just no standards. And, and oftentimes you can be called a prude or be called like... You just don't know, you know, and um, I've, I've had people tell me that uh, when I was dating. I said, you're just a prude. You're like, you're just, you're naive. You don't know. When in actuality, God's sexual standard is so high. He loves you and me so dearly that there are lines that we just don't cross until they're in the right parameters. And 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 I mean we could go down a whole nother rabbit hole, but God loves us so much that there are strict boundaries with our sexuality. He goes on and he talks about idolatry and, and sorcery, and and that's we've got to get rid of other gods.
1: Yeah.
0: The actions that negatively affect our relationships. Those have got to go. So one another thing. That's the vast majority of these passages, actually. Or these, this list is how we affect each other. And then ending it is wild living. We have to take the time to prune these things out of our life if the Spirit is going to do anything. You know, that's a part of our process of tuning in and dialing in is, man, let me just tell you, when we're quiet, like, and if you just think for a second, you can think of two or three things that are making your life terrible, you know, that are just getting in the way. And it's, it's making the decision to, those things are gone. And some of these might be easy. Some of these might take a lifetime to pull out. But we are actively pruning those so that we can better hear God's voice. So how does the spirit work in this? And I was saying about this idea of of pruning and and the idea of the fruits of the Spirit, because that's such a good like farming thing, and well, why not go down that rabbit hole, right? So the idea, though, is that, man, there is work that I've got to do, and there's work that the Spirit will do. And when you think about our garden, Sarah and I have been working on our garden, and she's put up fences. And the reason why is the past couple years, we've planted some things and animals come and eat it like immediately. <laughs> it does not take long. And so this year we're like, okay, we're going to put up some fences. And and really, it's the same way. There are things like we have to, to make sure the weeds are pulled up. We've got to put the fences up so outside things can't get in. And once we do that, then the sun can actually do what it's meant to do. And and as much as I do, I can't make the tomato plants and the peppers and the squash and all that good stuff. I can't make those grow, grow but I make the, the situation as good as I can make it for those things to grow up, <laughs> you know? And, and that's my part. But then the sun shines, and then the sky lets its rain out, and then all of a sudden, from a seed that was planted... Something starts to grow. And that's like there's a process to it all. This it's not just me doing something, but it's me preparing myself so I can be influenced and follow the spirit. And I don't fully understand how the sun comes and it like the photosynthesis and the water and all that stuff and plants. I couldn't like I said photosynthesis because that's the biggest word I know. But it's like I don't understand how that works. I don't like I couldn't I couldn't tell you about that. And it's it's there's aspects of the spirit that are like that. I don't know exactly how. But I do know that it's true because I've seen it in people's lives.
1: Amen.
0: So I think about, man, where did the Spirit lead Jesus? He led him to places of silence and solitude, out in the wilderness, you know, and his times of praying, led him to places of temptation, led him to other people, led him to the cross, ultimately led him back to his Father up in heaven. And the question is, where will the Spirit lead you? Hopefully to those same things. If Jesus needed to walk that path, we're probably going to need to walk through some of those same things as well, don't you think? We're going to need times of silence and solitude. I've said that like three times. Like it's hopefully, let it sink in. We've got to have times where we're still and we and I like I've been trying to practice that and it's tough. My wheels like it's hard to get those things to stop and just be still and not empty myself of everything, but to fill myself with God's word, and then to and then to listen and say, God, what do you want me to hear? Like, what am I trying? Like, where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to hear in this? And and to just practice that it takes practice we've got to go to places where we will be tempted that stuff draws us out and it also tests our faith and that's good hopefully if we're following the spirit that means we're walking in the light as we are tempted we talk about the things that are going on and it's not like I went into a cave and I did something secret and now I don't want to tell anyone about it Hopefully you have people in your life that you're sharing these experiences with. That I said, man, I'm trying to follow God. We're walking this direction and you won't believe what I said. This person did something and I said something and I realized that is not what Jesus would have done. And I don't want to be like that. And then you learn and you keep on moving forward and, and you struggle to pull yourself further and further. Like, Not further, but closer and closer to where Jesus is and where the Spirit is. Hopefully it leads us to other people. It led Jesus to all kinds of people where He was able to serve, encourage. It led them to disciples and non-disciples and sinners and people who thought they were spiritual but weren't and all kinds of people. The Spirit will take us to those places. And hopefully we are aware of what the Spirit is trying to do and that we don't keep our mouth shut about Jesus. It's going to lead us to, a, to the cross. We're going to have to take up our cross daily if we want to follow Jesus. The Spirit's going to lead us to places where who we are on the inside is going to be exposed. The things that we don't like about ourselves will bubble up to the surface. And you may be saying, no, never, I won't let it happen. But let me tell you, that's where transformation comes from. It's not some magic thing, it's going to those scary places and confronting our own demons, our own sin, and being willing to wrestle with it. And we gotta remember we're not doing that alone. And at the end of all this, if we've stayed faithful, the spirit will lead us back home to God. Someday we will go to heaven and this home and life that we have built will go on for eternity. But in a place that is sweet, where there is no more tears, there is no more darkness, you know, and we can we can do what we set out to at the beginning to build a life. Do you guys kind of follow the process? Mm -hmm. Like that's the process Jesus had to go through. And if we are following Jesus, we're going to have to go there too. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you the other place that that will lead you to is a full and meaningful life. I don't know about you guys, but that is what we are hungry for is to live and do something of meaning. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of meaning in the mundane things of life. In the simple, small things. You may say that, that some of this stuff is, it, is 101. It's very small. It's, it's, it's ground level. But let me tell you, being good at the fundamentals, being good at these simple things... I'm telling you, if you're good at that, the big things will be no no big thing. You'll be able to go right on through because it's no longer me just doing the you will be transformed. So, I'm excited. I like what's great about this is when we follow the process, when we trust that process, we follow, we prune, Then we sit back and we watch what God is going to produce in our lives. Isn't that like you want to be joyful when things when you shouldn't be? Follow this process. Follow the spirit and see where it takes you. And let me tell you, it's possible. It's possible to have peace. It's possible (laughs) to be gentle and kind. To be self-controlled. So I just want to, I feel like in Galatians, Paul sums this up in chapter 2, and I I, I just want to read this and we'll be done. It says, Galatians 2, 19-20, I have, and this is just summing it up. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for. Me. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit clemsonfoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.